Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lori Clark Show. This episode of my podcast is brought to you with the help of ZoomUs, a video and audio conferencing interface. It's important to know that I'm in no way sponsored by Zoom. I just want to tell you how much I love it. It is very reliable, easy to use, and provides excellent audio and video files that my team and I produce to share the power of story with you. Another non-sponsored, couldn't do without, but just have to tell you how good it is, is Squarespace. When they say it is the all-in-one platform, it really is true. I go into the back end of my website multiple times a day, adjust things, post podcast, add links, and look at our show's analytics, which all sync across my devices. And when I need an image, Squarespace provides an excellent resource that's powered by Unsplash. Now for my most favorite feature, the Squarespace app. Um, Being a working mom, there never seems to be enough time in my day. So when my daughter's in ballet, I sit in my car and upload, post, and manage everything on my website from the app. It's really cool and seamless. Squarespace is really, really simple and very dedicated to helping me create a brand of excellence. So with that, big shout out to Zoom, Squarespace, and Unsplash. Thank you for helping me tell people's stories. With that said, let's move on to the best part about today, the show. Please allow me to welcome my next guest on The Lori Clark Show. Today we are talking with Dr. Adia Gooden. She is a clinical psychologist. I first noticed her uh, while doing some research um, and I came across a TED talk, a TEDx talk that was done in 2018 on unconditional self-worth. I listened to her talk twice because I thought this is really great stuff. And I went to her website and to her Instagram. You can find her at dradiagoodin.com and her Instagram is dradiagoodin. And I downloaded her ebook, her free ebook on four practices to cultivate unconditional self-worth to begin your journey of living a bold and beautiful life. She says, you are worthy unconditionally. When you know this for yourself, you will be unstoppable. And of course, that had me at hello. So we found her, we talked to her, and she agreed to walk us through this discovery of unconditional self-worth. Please welcome my next guest, Dr. Adia Gooden. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you so much. Yeah. I am really looking forward to this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy to be here with you. Well, I I really like your work. Um, Thank you. I've listened to your TED Talk probably, well, I listened to it twice for sure. And then (laughs) uh, had other people listen to it as well. And the conversations that come out of of your, your experience and what the work that you do are, they're amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much. So thank you for, for doing what you do because you're, it seems to me like you're an inspiration to many, many people. Mm -hmm. That's my hope. My hope is that people are uh, inspired to have different relationships with themselves and So it always feels affirming when people say that my talk or whatever I'm putting out helps them to do that. I I have to say, I I was looking at your Instagram account and I saw this picture of you as a little girl and you (laughs) had these little, are they love heart socks on? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And your little toe is like perfect. It was just, and I thought, yes. She talked about being perfect, and there it is in full color. <laughs> oh Lord! And it, it's interesting to me because I have um, I have four children. Oh wow! And I they're so twenty, just about 22, 21, mm. 18, and eleven. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's another conversation. But um, we encounter this conversation about Mm. worthiness 
so much. Mm. You know, I thought, I said to my partner, Dave, how can we, can we say this 30 different ways? Like Mm. there are so many levels to Mm -hmm. the conversation. And I mean, I've read a whole bunch of books. Like I follow um, Dr. Kristen Neff and Christopher Mm -hmm. and they wrote the book, um, Mindful of Compassion Workbook. Mm -hmm. Really appreciated that. And and I, I did a, com- I had a conversation with a woman on leaning into emotion mm, and yep. the power of emotion. And we, we were really focusing around young uh, men and women to encourage them about what this looks like. But what you've said, has, you know, in most of your Instagram posts about anxiety and in these times, mm-hmm. it seems like we are really encountering this new level. Yeah, what our self worth is like, and and if you don't mind, um, we have a lot to talk about today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The one place I'd like to start is your experience as a twelve year old girl. Realize, Mm. hey, you said like this wasn't right. Yeah, wasn't right, and I have children who say that to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, looking back on it, my heart sort of breaks for my 12-year-old self, right? And, you know, the struggle to fit in that I think so many people go through, whether, you know, they fit in, but they're sort of faking it to fit in, or they don't fit in, or they're bullied, right, on the extreme level. And, you know, I was never bullied or sort of you know, explicitly cast out, but there was definitely a sense of, I'm just not as accepted and appreciated and embraced as these other kids, right? Nobody has a crush on me. Sometimes I'm not invited to the party. And I went to a very small private school. uh, So there was like 13 people in a class, right? So if you weren't invited, it was very obvious, right? You could easily invite everybody usually. And it just, gave me this sense that, okay, I'm just not good enough, or I'm not doing this well enough. And, you know, in my 12 year old brain, it was like, okay, well, you know, we've got to do something to get out of this. And so let's be perfect. Let's, you know, let's try to be perfect in school. Let's try to be the perfect friend. And, and that only works temporarily, right? That's what I've learned over the course of my life is that, yes, if you're perfectly giving and selfless, uh, you know, you will have friends, but if you have these one-sided friendships, when it's time for you to ask for something, people may not show up. Well, and, and, and really, can you remember back to defining what perfect was for you? Mm. You know, I think it was, I think in a lot of ways it was, uh, you know, get good grades. So grades is a little bit tricky for me because I actually, thankfully went to an elementary and middle school where I didn't have grades. I had evaluations, which I think was just a godsend for my (laughs) sort of type A overachiever personality. Right. Right. But, you know, I remember being absolutely crushed when I got my test scores back to get into like high school entrance exams because I didn't feel I did good and well enough. And I thought I was not going to get into any high schools. So it was doing well academically. And it was also always being there for friends, always giving, 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 giving and showing up the right way, you know, looking good, having everything together, not being vulnerable. I think that's how perfect manifested. Everything is together. We, you know, we always have it tight and in order and we don't need people's help and all of that. I think that's what it looked like for me. Well, and vulnerability, you said something about vulnerability there. And and I think that's one of the major keys. It perfection Mm -hmm. doesn't require, it doesn't leave any room for messiness. If it's perfect, there's no messiness, but I love messiness Mm because that's really where, in my opinion, from my life experience, the perfection has come through, right? It it Mm -hmm. feels better, but that learning about vulnerability and the power of vulnerability um, it's an exposure mm-hmm. that at that age, people don't understand what messiness is. No. And they're going by, 
you know, these, these um, daily actions like you've talked about. And so, so then you move to a whole bunch of different things. You said, oh, and I went in, I did the dance and I showed up. I showed mm-hmm. up in all these different ways. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. university, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I, I went to Stanford, which was an amazing blessing opportunity and, you know, still that wasn't enough. Right. So we start to see this pattern of, okay, you're sort of reaching the pinnacle and you still feel unworthy. So this, this external stuff isn't actually working. And so I was doing a whole lot of things at Stanford, right. Again, overextending. And when I look back, I loved my experience, but the thing I would have changed is slow down, take it less seriously, have more fun, play more, relax more, rest more. Um, But that drive to feel worthy through external achievements really pushed me, right? And, And it made it so that I didn't take as much time for fun and relaxation and play, um, as I would have liked to, ideally. Um, and it took me a while. It took me until I was in graduate school and finally went to therapy myself to really start with this vulnerability thing. And even in therapy, it took me a couple of months before I really opened up to my therapist and, and wasn't just trying to look really competent and like I had it together. Um, so this sort of happened in layers of me sort of needing to move further into vulnerability and let go of this idea that I needed to have it all together. Can you talk to us about, because, um, I was talking with one of my, one of my family members today about our conversation. And I said, uh, and they asked, well, what's the difference of self-worth and self-esteem? Because we often um, and, and now we're using this word self-compassion and you hear those three terms. I would mm-hmm. really like to have more of a clarity about that. Yep. Yeah. So self-esteem is based on our accomplishments, our abilities, our skills, and what we think we can achieve, right? So our self-esteem goes up and down based on how we're doing in the external world. So you get an A on the test, you're like, yes, high self-esteem, I'm smart. You get an F on the test or in the class, you feel horrible. You feel I'm not smart. I'm not good enough. I can't do it, right? So self-esteem is very much based on kind of what we do in the world, how we engage in the world um, and, and sort of how we're evaluated by the world and how we measure up compared to other people. Yeah. In contrast, I see self-worth and really unconditional self-worth as a deep sense that you deserve love, care, to be alive, to take up space, regardless of what is happening externally, right? So I would, you know, imagine, uh, you know, one of the easiest ways to connect to this is imagining a baby, a newborn baby, right? And most, the vast majority of people would say that baby is worthy of love and care, worthy of taking up space. It has not accomplished anything, right? Uh, Literally nothing. No, you're right. But nobody's saying, well, I, you know, I'll care for you when you get a good grade <laughs> or when you show me you <laughs> when can you start crawl climbing well. your butt, I'm going to care for you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and we all have that baby still within us who needs that same love and care and attention. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing, self-compassion, which I think is so powerful is for me, how we is one of the ways that we get to self-worth that we get to connect to unconditional self-worth because we are responding to ourselves with that attention, with that love, with that care that it's a way of relating to ourselves and creating a positive, affirming and encouraging relationship with ourselves that reflects the fact that we are worthy unconditionally, even when we're going through a hard time. Yeah. I, I've, um, I've, I've always thought about it and up until recent have had to use it in my own life, you know, when, because things happen, you know, and what is interesting to me about this conversation is that, we could be talking to um, a five-year-old about this and Mm -hmm. we could be talking to a 110-year-old about this because this really, this is, 
you never are quite done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. And, yep. and I feel like there's so many things that pull as a parent. If someone criticizes you, well, now you're feeling like, mm. okay, wait a minute. You know, there's a, there's a sense of that self-worth there. Yep. But for me about the self-compassion during really hard times, that's when self-compassion comes in Yeah. because in that hard time, if I don't exercise self-compassion to who I am as a woman, mm-hmm. then I feel like it moves me to a place of low self-worth. Yep. The, the yes. circumstance can just push you into a, that cycle of negative thinking when you arrive there, right? Yes, yes, yes. So we can feel that the reason we're experiencing a struggle or a challenge is because there is something wrong with us and we are unworthy. And so we sort of kick ourselves when we're down. I like to, when I talk to clients, we say there's clean pain, which is somebody stepped on your toe. It hurts, right? Or you have a loss in your life. It's disappointing. It's hurtful. But then we sort of layer on what we call dirty pain, which is, oh my gosh, I'm such a klutz. I shouldn't have walked into that or I shouldn't have done that or, oh my gosh, I should have never gotten my hopes up that this relationship would work. And that, and I, since I got my hopes up, that's why I'm disappointed. And we just start doing that. And so then on top of the regular pain that we're experiencing, which is normal and human, we get layer self-criticism, which just makes it so much worse. And so the self-compassion interrupts that and says, it's okay. This is human. You're okay right? I love you still, right? And allows us to center ourselves and calm and feel like just because I'm having this hard time does not make me unworthy, does not mean that there's something wrong with me. And, and I would further that in taking a, um, a little quote from your, not even a quote, but it's something that you said in your TED talk. You said, I have a space in this world, even mm-hmm. in the midst of these people who are, are saying things about me, or, um, I'm feeling very exposed right now. I have a place. Mm-hmm. I belong. Yes. How, how does somebody move from that quick cycle that you speak of to, to what I just said? Okay, hold on. Mm-hmm. I have a place. Yep. Yep. How do we get Yeah, that? it's it's a good question. <laughs> I you know, I think I do think that self-compassion is a really great tool in those moments, a really great practice and you know, that involves mindfulness, which is slowing yeah. down enough to really even notice, here's what I'm feeling, here's where I'm at without judgment, right? So yeah. that part of the big piece is you're trying to take the judgment out of it. Yep. Just noticing, slowing down enough to see where you're at and be curious about that. Remembering that this, whatever you're going through is human, right? And I also like to talk about forgiveness, self-forgiveness, because so often we hold these things against ourselves and we say, well, because I messed up five years ago, I don't, that's why I don't deserve to be here. That's why I don't deserve space. And so the process of saying, I messed up, Mm. I experienced pain from that. And I forgive myself. I've learned, I've grown. I'm going to release myself from the burden of that also helps us to feel like, no, I'm okay. I'm I'm not going to throw myself away for past mistakes. Yeah. Even if the, the, um, I've caused others a lot of pain. Mm. I still can forgive myself, which then opens me to an opportunity of, of just awakening. Yep. I, I see forgiveness. I've had to forgive a lot in my life. I'm sure, mm. you know, you have too. And mm-hmm. it's a really big journey, but forgiveness is for us. Yes. Forgiveness is for your own inner peace. That, and I realized something when I was, I was working through a really hard relationship and, and 
I was asking myself, I, like I had a lot of self-doubt. I had a lot of anxiety. I had a mm. lot of these cycling thoughts about, mm. you know, well, you, you, you are acting this way. And, and it was just like, it was just, it was mm. really overwhelming. And I remember feeling into it. And I said to myself, okay, I can forgive myself and I can accept that my expectation of this person couldn't be any different. They mm. did what they did. Yep. It couldn't have gone another way. Yep. And because yep. that's the choice that happened there. I forgive myself for believing it could. Yes. And then moving on through that. And uh, that's another level of self-compassion. Yes. Yeah. I think, you know, what you just touched on, there is such an important aspect of forgiveness, which is accepting that what happened happened. Yes. So often our lack of forgiveness for ourselves or others is because we want it to be different, right? We say, well, if I had just done this, or I should have just done this, or if they had just done that, and we hold on and try to rework the past in our minds with the hope that maybe somehow it'll change, but it won't. Yeah. And so then we just tether ourselves to it instead of when we forgive, we say, okay, this is what happened. This was the result. And I'm going to release myself from that. Right. And that tethering happens because perhaps we want another outcome. Yes. You know, nobody wants to be separated relationally. Mm-mm. You know, like not, you're not looking for relational separateness. You're, 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 we are built and made for community and connection and, and, and that community and connection brings a sense of belonging to who we are. It's when that belonging gets cut off mm-hmm. that we then start to say, oh, well, okay. And, and maybe you have to cut that off because you have to choose yourself. Yeah. But it's still ugly. And it can still push you down into this very interesting cycle of negative thoughts and mm-hmm. self-doubt that arise from what seemingly is a position of strength. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, that's where having really supportive friends or loved ones, yeah. when we can't connect to our self-worth or connect to the fact that we're worthy, having people in our lives who can remind us of that, who can show up and say, I see you, I see that you made a mistake and I'm still here with you and I'm still here for you and I still love you and I still think you're worthy because sometimes we really need others to pour into us, pour that message into us when we're having a hard time accessing it for ourselves. To remind us who we are. Exactly. So what would you say to... So let's do three things. So as a parent to a child, mm. a parent or a guardian to a teenager, and then to an adult as a friend or, or a loved one, what would you say to mm. someone who needed to, who you are watching and you know, they do not feel like they're belonging here. Mm. I mean, that's the core of so many people I've spoken to over the last year. They're just like, I don't know, this aloneness. I, yeah. I used all kinds of things to fill my belonging and my worthiness. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. all of that is reduced. And now I'm left with this return on my investment that's not very much. Mm-hmm. So what would you say and how would you help a parent frame it for a child who is trying to connect with their own self-worth? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing would be validating the feelings. Yeah. Right. So I think so often we go into, but you're, that's not true. Right. Like you're not alone or you're not right. Like you try to, I'm your your mom. (laughs) Right. And part of that comes from, I can't tolerate that you're experiencing pain. My deep love and care for you makes me want this to go away and fix it. Or I start to feel guilty as your parent that you're feeling this way and maybe I did something wrong. And so in all of that gets sort of muddled up. And so I think the first thing would be, okay, you're feeling lonely. You're wondering if, if you're worthy, I get it. Right. I, I have felt that way too. And it's human to feel that way. Mm -hmm. Very good. And 
I know you may not believe me right now, but I love you so deeply. And there is nothing you could do or not do that would take that away. That would make me think differently of you. And so you would, you know, just affirm and sit with the fact that they may not totally take it in. Maybe it's a hug. Maybe it's just being present. You can tell me how you're feeling, right? I'll give you the space to tell me how you're feeling about yourself. And I'll sit with you in that and really try to not invalidate you, but remind you that I love and care for you and that you deserve it. Wow. And and for a teenager who is further down in terms of, you know, cognitively and even just more experience, mm-hmm. you would take that, you would say what you just said there, but you would take it a step further, would you not? Yeah, I would. I, you know, I think I might use a metaphor, like the metaphor of the baby. Like, you know, would you think that a baby needs to accomplish or if they, you know, if they poop all over themselves or if they, you know, fall and they, but, you know, like, would you think that makes them unworthy and why is that different for you? So maybe using sort of a metaphor around, can you think of other people who may not be doing everything right in their lives or maybe really struggling? Do you still think they're worthy of care? So I worked at a college counseling center for a while. And so I'd ask, okay, what about the homeless person that you see? What about the person who has cancer, right? Are those people outside of the realm of worthiness because they're not achieving in the way our society says you need to achieve right now? So you sort of test the limits, who's inside, who's outside. And if they're inside, if they deserve care, why are you putting yourself outside? So it's a little bit of an intellectual exercise. One thing I'll just note both for, I think all levels of children that, you know, as parents, parents model this, right? And so if you are criticizing and being harsh and, oh, I made a mistake. Oh, I can't believe I, oh, I shouldn't have, ah, right? If you're modeling a sense of criticism and unworthiness when you make mistakes, kids take that in. And so a big way to communicate you're worthy regardless of what happens is if you treat yourself that way and your kids pick up on that. Well, and that's a whole other topic. because generally speaking uh, parents fulfill a role that is selfless Mm -hmm. and and there's not a lot of self-compassion there's not a lot Mm -hmm. of self-care you know I I was speaking with my partner um, yesterday we were talking about this interview today and and we were just saying okay you know 2021 is this year of really embracing self-care for us we, mm. we haven't done that as much mm. I mean and that doesn't mean necessarily healthy eating like you know you got your list right but I'm talking about yeah. like meditation you know mm-hmm. in that sacred space and self-care for me and self-compassion is to say my moment of struggle could be around dinner time. It could be around, mm. you know, all these different places where you're feeling like pulled and you're not feeling connected. And you talked about the word tethering. And I think when we can connect to our body and hear our heart beating and feel the blood mm-hmm. through our hands, it brings you, it drops you into a moment, a care that moves you to compassion for who you are as a person. Yeah. When your kids can see that, like you say, it changes the whole dynamic. Yep. But then there's those people who really don't have that mentor. They do Mm. not have that. In fact, the reinforcement is you are not. Mm. You aren't. I don't even want you here. Yeah. So where do we go with that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think when clients come to me in therapy and they've had that sort of relational trauma where someone in their life has been harmful, has been abusive, has put them down. It really starts with a process of sort of looking back at what has happened and reframing it, right? So often kids and adults, we internalize. We think if someone is treating me this poorly, it must be my fault. 
it must be because I'm not worthy of being treated any better. And so the process of re, you know, reworking that narrative from it was your fault that you were treated that way to the person who was treating you that way had a lot of problems. They probably had their own trauma. They probably had their own issues and you did not deserve that. Right. You did not deserve that. So let's get their, their narrative, their voice out of your head because that often gets internalized and let's rework this idea of what you deserved and what you didn't deserve and help you if you can to forgive that person to forgive yourself and to create a new relationship with yourself that's loving and compassionate. Can we talk about um, factors that Mm. create um, a sense of this low self-worth? Yeah. You know, we receive so many messages, right? <laughs> so, you know, social you media. start with media. <laughs> right, 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 right. And there's these wonderful things about social media. And there are also these really challenging things, right? You're sort of primed to compare yourself, to yeah. think, how many likes am I getting? How many likes are they getting? What do they think? Are people liking? Oh my gosh, she's so beautiful. Oh my gosh, she looks like that. I should look like... It sort of just primes this tendency to compare, to critique, to evaluate, So that's one thing. Then there's ads, which are embedded in social media and on TV. All of this, this is what a beautiful, happy life looks like. This is how you have to be, look, act, dress in order to be happy and to be worthy. Those messages are coming constantly. And then, you know, we just talked about family. Sometimes there can be really discouraging messages from family members. Sometimes it's, you're not good enough. And sometimes it's, oh, well, I'll, I'll act like you're good enough when you get a good grade or when you do this thing or when you have this type of job, right? And so that message can also come through that your worth is based on these conditions um, that, you, that you meet. Um, you know, there's certainly gendered conditions. Are you married for a woman? Certainly, are you married? Do you have children biologically, right? Like yeah. these sorts of things yeah. that we sort of say, okay, well, I'm worthy if I can do this or I have this. Um, that can be, they're just, we're swimming in it. And so it's easy to internalize it without recognizing it. Wow. See, and I, I had a thought while you were speaking and I, um, it, it, cause we've been really, like I said, it, it's very difficult in my family with my children because they're older. And so we're, we've got, you know, two adults, one graduating this year and then one in elementary school. Mm-hmm. And even I were, she was in our bed the other, the other morning and we were drinking coffee and, and, um, she said something and she sounded angry and, and she, our daughter's name is Saley and she doesn't mm. usually sound angry. And, and Dave responded and said, you know, I'm really glad you were able to say that you were angry. Mm. And, and it just caught me because I had been prepping for, for what we're going to talk about. And I thought, right. We need to be able to say when someone is angry, we often use it or they show an emotion. You're always sad. And we mm. use it as this, it, it pushes them into a low category. Mm-hmm. Like you're not connected. You're this, you're that. And so then in their mind, they might be thinking, I don't cut it. I, mm-hmm. I can never find joy. And so yeah. one opportunity, would you say that sort of, a, a counter thing to do is to begin to really express um, gratitude for someone speaking about their feeling of rage or anger and saying, that was really brave of you. Like this is hard in the first place. So thank you for doing that. What do you think? Yes. Yes. I mean, your okay. partner's response to Saley is beautiful, right? As this affirmation of your feelings are welcome here. And we're actually glad that you're expressing them because so many people come into adulthood thinking my feelings aren't okay, or this category of feeling isn't okay. And it doesn't mean we don't experience that feeling. It just means we suppress it. We stuff it down. We react and it's, it's not the healthiest. So if we can create cultures in our families and our schools and communities of saying, okay, if you're angry, here's how we express it constructively. And we welcome that because it's a human emotion and it doesn't mean something is wrong with you. Instead of people feeling like I'm angry, I'm a bad person, 
there must be something wrong with me. Again, we're normalizing human emotions. Uh, and that does communicate you're worthy even when you're angry. Um, but in those fundamental years, you know, elementary school, high school, expressing anger, that's not a great idea, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Like when you're in the game of survivor for your whole life, mm-hmm. for your early part of your life, it is very difficult. You want to really hedge your bets. You can be angry with certain people, but not mm-hmm. other people. And that moves into that, like what you talked about, that perte- perfectionism and not really being honest about how you feel or yep. learning to suppress those feelings that later, mm-hmm. you know, it's so interesting because if I could say anything to anybody, it would be don't push things down mm. because it comes out whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Eventually it will come out. <laughs> and that's what I, you know, say to clients all the time is, yeah. you know, it, you don't get rid of emotion. The only way to sort of release emotions is to feel them. And release them. But if you press them down, it will come out. So for some of us, that manifests physically, right? Some of us, it means we sort of boil over at somebody and some small thing. For some people, it means aches and pains and physical manifestations of the stress that you're holding in. But people are often surprised by the fact that when they allow their emotions, they come and go more quickly and they're not as bad as they think they're going to be. So I often guide people through relaxing into the emotion, allowing it, and then releasing it, not getting caught up in the thoughts, but allowing yourself to feel it. And then it releases, it goes away. It doesn't stay like a dark cloud over you day after day after day, which is what people fear. Uh, It actually passes and you can move forward with your life. Well, you said something um, in your TED Talk. Um, You said, as soon as I set the bar for my self-worth, it was raised. And, I, and, and that really tags into what you just said, because so often, you know, we're having conversation with ourselves or someone is saying, okay, I want to teach you how to let go of that. But then, then once you do, you level up. Mm-hmm. And there's like, it's almost like life says, okay, but you've learned that now you got to level up and grow a little bit more to learn another level of what self-worth and this unconditional self-worth mm-hmm. means. Can you explain to me, and I, I said in my notes, um, some people, it's a tall order to hear the word unconditional mm-hmm. because it means mm-hmm. to me always so how do you build that that baseline that says always mm-hmm. that storm is raging and I stand and I know who I am, even if it's challenged and if I forget for one minute or mm-hmm. 10 days, but I come mm-hmm. back to my center. Maybe it's a year I forgot who I was, but I come back to my center this is who I am. Yeah. 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 It's a good, it's a good question because it is sort of a, it is a big ask. Um, You know, I have a deep belief that everyone is worthy. Even people who I'm, I don't agree with. I don't like what they do. And I, I believe that about other people since I was a kid Um, and it's just, I've taken, it's taken me time to believe that about myself. And I think my idea and the deep belief comes from no matter what anyone does, I'm not going to throw them away. I do not believe that anybody deserves to be thrown away. And so for me, that means when I've made a mistake and I'm feeling that flush of shame, right. And, and usually it means the little one in me, little girl idea is like, ah, you know, like we can't do, you know, it's freaking out that I'm saying it's okay. Yep. It's okay. I know this doesn't feel good. I know you think you messed up. I know that you're worried people will reject you, but I'm still here and I'm still going to be with you and I'm not going to run away from you and I'm not going to throw you away. And that's the practice. It's no matter what, I am going to be here with you and for you. And it doesn't mean 
oh, Adia, you're just so perfect and you don't have to grow and you don't have to learn. And if you make a mistake, who cares? Cause you're perfect, right? That's not what it means. It means a deep, you know, commitment to myself so that I can learn and grow. Because if I'm there for myself, then I can look at, okay, Adia, you seem to be making this mistake a lot. What's going on? I'm not looking at it to say there's something wrong with you and you need to get it together. I'm saying, hey, let's let's look at this because I think you could do better. And, And I think it's time to grow out of this pattern that's not serving you or not helping other people. And I'm here by your side to do that. So let's look at it. Let's grow. And I actually think that this is the best foundation for growth and development. Wow. Wow. Mm. I have to sit with that for a second because it's so good. Mm. That is so rich and full to me. Mm. Mm. You know, when, when you began to love yourself unconditionally, was it just a matter of repetition? And when you talk about it's like moving into that place of reminding that little girl or the little boy, mm-hmm. but, but how do you, in the place of that adversity, remind yourself, oh, I got to give myself some compassion here. I belong. Mm-hmm. So is there any little moment that people can be triggered by that you could help them with that go, hey, here's a really good strategy. When it hurt, when it's hurting, when you're upset, when you've lost your temper and you feel like crap mm-hmm. about yourself. Mm-hmm. When people yeah. at you and they're bawling and you're like, oh. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. So, I mean, I will say that there, I think there are both ongoing practices that make it easier to return to these practices in a moment. So for me, that's meditation, right? Meditating is grounding so that I don't get so far away, you know, before I come back. Right. Um, And I would say in the moment, thinking about either yourself as a little child Or if for people who sometimes people just have a really hard time being able to tap into the idea of being kind to themselves when they're have when they've made a mistake. Right. Right. And so to that, what I say is I think it's useful to imagine your emotion, the anger, the frustration, the shame, the anxiety as a baby, as a puppy or your favorite animal. And imagine it coming into the room and crying, right? A little puppy, like, right? What would you do to that for that puppy, right? You wouldn't be like, get out of here. You deserve it, you know, right? No, you'd say, oh my gosh, come here, come here. And if you can't imagine comforting yourself, imagine comforting this baby, this puppy, not to, you know, fix it, but to just say, it's okay. It's okay. I'm here. I know it hurts. I know this is scary. Oh, I know you feel ashamed, but it's okay. I'm, I got you. Right. And even that imagining doing it to another being shifts how we feel, right? It calms us down. It calms our nervous system down. It allows us to relax and to breathe. And it, you know, re taps in our prefrontal cortex because part of what happens is when we feel ashamed, we feel at an extreme level, like we're going to be annihilated. Like we are going to be left out in the woods by ourselves. We are going to be ejected from the group. And that triggers our survival. Oh my gosh, right? I've just done the unthinkable. I am going to be rejected. How am I going to survive? I'm not okay. And so if we can calm ourselves down, calm our nervous system down, offer ourselves or this, you know, imaginary puppy some comfort, it really soothes ourselves so that we can then think, okay, I just yelled at them. Okay, I need to apologize. Mm. And I can go in there and I can apologize, not from a place of, you've got to forgive me because I, right? But from a place of, right? I am so sorry. I let this get the best of me. You did not deserve that. That wasn't okay. And then you can repair and make amends and that will further help you feel calmer and better. 
gosh. I mean, you, you're just offering this, these, it's like gems. <laughs> I am so grateful for this. Um, okay. So talk to me about pervasive low self-worth. Because mm. that feels like tendrils to me mm. that just mm. sort of, you know, they, they stick on you and it's something that you can't move away from, mm. you can't get away from no matter how hard you try. Pervasive, that quiet, sleep. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. Yeah. You know, I think when I was sharing that in my TEDx talk, I was thinking about sort of seeing client after client after client who were high achieving, very smart and struggling with low self-worth. Right. Right. And, and on the outside, it's like, you have everything, right? Like what's going on. Right. But on the inside, people feeling shame, people feeling not good enough, people feeling self-doubt and just seeing how common it was, it is for people to struggle with this. And I also think there's a, when you talk about sort of tentacles, right, that stick, there's not a huge recognition of how it manifests, right? So I'd say people are starting to talk about self-worth, but it's sort of this sneaky thing that's like, oh, well, I have anxiety or, oh, I'm self-critical or, oh, I feel depressed. And then you dig underneath and you're like, oh, you don't think you're worthy, which is why you're worried about everything, right? Or you don't think you're worthy, which is why you feel so depressed and, and like you don't deserve love and care and you're so harsh with yourself. Um, and so or, that, or you yeah. don't feel like you can give, you can set boundaries with people mm-hmm. and so their behavior becomes your behavior. You take on their stuff, their pain, their language, their voice, and you lose who you Mm -hmm. are. That happens a lot in in early adolescence and in the teenage Mm. world. But it also happens as, you know, you want to have a successful career. And so you model yourself after people. And that's also a piece, would you say, of that pervasiveness where you sell a piece of who you are Mm. because you believe you're not worthy that they have more to offer. And you might, if you, if you kind of buy into their language and the way they are and present themselves, then you'll become what they are. Yes. You'll get the happiness that you think they have. Yeah. I think a big piece of connecting to our unconditional self-worth is building trust with ourselves Oh, trusting our intuition, trusting that we know what is right for us. These other people, all these outside voices, these people who look like they have the life we want, they don't know what's best for us. And so it's sort of this turning inward and trusting ourselves, trusting that our voice, our ideas are worthy, right? To be acknowledged and honored and followed. Gosh. And that that almost can't be taught, Mm. right? Because you can say all you want. It's kind of that surrender to life. Mm -hmm. You know, when something doesn't go as planned, failure, people, we, we, it's so interesting. I, you know, we convince ourselves that these words are Mm -hmm. failure. It's, it's, it's just this terribly, it's very negative. But mm-hmm. I actually see it as, it's a positive. I failed a lot and that's why I'm here actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. But when you see yourself um, as, when life doesn't go as planned, when you have a career change, when, when, when like not to date us, but COVID, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Yes. And the business that many people just started because it was, mm. you know, they, they said, oh my goodness, this is my life's purpose. I'm showing up. Mm-hmm. And, and then all the restrictions and life happens in this pandemic that is totally out of our control. Right. And it wrecks it. Now there's this failure. There's this mm. sense of, that didn't go as planned. How am I going to survive? Mm. And that feeling of, lowness even just in a community 
that yeah. low vibration, that low energy, that low ebb. How do we wake up? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, that touches on the fact that many of us have an idea in our head that if we did everything right, we'd never experience challenges or failures. Yes. And so when we experience a challenge or failure, we think there must be something wrong with me. I must not have done that right. And so part of it is it's part of life. The most successful people in the world have failed. Oprah has said she's had failures, right? Everybody has had failures. And the challenge is exactly not to take that as a label or a permanent uh, sort of conclusion about our lives, but to say, okay, this is where, this is where I'm at. What can I learn from it? How can I move on from it? And I think that's part of, part of what we can teach. It's hard to teach listening to your intuition, but we can teach listening and, and letting go of the other noise, right? So how do you get quiet enough to feel what is right for you? right? And to honor that still small voice inside of you that's directing you. Um, how do you sort of figure out which, who are the teachers that you want to listen to and who are the ones that lead you in a way that doesn't feel right or doesn't feel aligned? And when you can trust yourself, then a failure doesn't feel final because you know, well, I have the strategies, I have the skills, I, I have the resor- resourcefulness, I can turn to other people. I've overcome things in the past and I can do that again now. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and, then it, and then that leads me to what is low self-esteem asking of us? Because mm. it is a, well, I don't know if you would say this and you please, you know, correct me, but it's like, it's not a symptom. It's not an emotion, low self-esteem, mm-hmm. but it's a result almost. Mm-hmm. And so for, for, in my opinion, and so when the result is continuing, you know, mm-hmm. when something keeps happening, like you said, pervasively, always, mm-hmm. then we got to look at like, what's the message here? Am Mm -hmm. I, where am I needing to heal? Yep. Where does the light of truth need to come in Mm -hmm. and heal that wound? And then where do I need to be accountable Mm -hmm. in order to move up through that pain? So how do we learn about self-worth in terms of what it's asking of us? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. I think it, it asks us to pause Mm. and to get curious about our lives, about how we're relating to ourselves, about how we're relating to other people, and to really intentionally build a loving relationship with ourselves, Mm. right? We spend a lot of time and intention on our romantic partnerships. Yeah. We care for them. If we're, you know, if we're doing it well, we care for them. We cultivate them. We forgive. We're honest when it's hard to be honest. We're vulnerable. And I think the core of unconditional self-worth and what it asks of us is to build and cultivate that type of loving relationship with ourselves, where there's honesty, where there's vulnerability, where there's love and compassion where there's encouragement, where there's gentle nudges to grow, um, and that, that we're sort of taking a step back from the noise, from the achievement, from the doing, 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 to think about how we are or how we be with ourselves. I love that we can have this conversation because you're inspiring us. Connect to your body. Connect yep. to your soul. Just mm-hmm. breathe. Just breathe. Yeah. And that is really yeah. the genesis of opening a space that can then lead you to exploration for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, in your, um, you have this ebook that. Yes. I like, thank you for making that. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. 
It's great. It's great. I, I really liked it. You talked about um, you, the four practices. Mm-hmm. And I and you said forgive yourself. Yep. That's really important. That's the first thing you'd say. Yes. Yeah. To me, forgiving yourself helps to sort of clear out the past as we talked yeah. about, right? If you're sort of having trouble in relating to yourself, connecting to the fact that you are worthy unconditionally, finding the things that you're holding against yourself and releasing those and forgiving yourself for those helps to sort of clear things and start again um, in rebuilding a healthy relationship with yourself. Well, and then you can accept yourself in the present moment. Yes. So it's not accepting yourself once you've cleared all the things you need to forgive. Right. Right in that moment for that one thing, you clear it, you forgive, and you accept it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then there's the being there for yourself, which is really self-compassion, right? Being kind to yourself when things are hard. It's a lot of what we've talked about today. Yeah. Um, there's the accepting yourself, as you said, and, um, the fourth practice is connecting to supportive people, which we also talked about that having people that remind you that you are worthy, especially if you're having trouble accessing that truth yourself. As we wrap up, I just want to end on this. Um, when you are there for yourself, can you speak to this being there for yourself when life gets rough? Sometimes we abandon ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think I pointed to it earlier when I said, well, we might not pick ourselves, you know, and we might hold out for a year and, and then kind of get ourselves back together again. But many of us do abandon ourselves when times are challenging. And, and that opens us up for lots of exposure to all of the things that we just discussed. How does somebody during challenging times just re-tether themselves and reconnect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think it can look like asking, what do I need right now? Oh, right. It could look like, okay, I need rest or I need to eat. So often when we're struggling and we're upset, we don't sleep, we don't eat, we don't take care of ourselves. Right. It could Yeah, it could look like being kind and encouraging and saying, okay, I'm having a hard time right now. It could even mean naming that we're having a hard time right now. And that's, that's where we are, right? It's all of those things that we hopefully offer to our friends when they're having a hard time, and we want them to offer to us. It's bearing witness, it's encouraging, it's asking what we need, and then giving that to ourselves. I so often tell clients, okay, you're having a hard time. Lower your expectations for productivity, for all of these things, right? Allow yourself the space to rest. You're going to need more time to rest and to sleep. And you allow yourself to be nourished, eat food, right? So literally being a friend, being a caregiver to ourselves when we're having a hard time. Wow. Um, To wrap up, what would you, how do you want to impart can you inspire someone today? Mm. So I think I want people to know that this is a process and a journey. And if it feels like, oh my gosh, I'll never get there. See if you can take small steps every day, practice meditation, say something kind to yourself, find ways, even if you're small to forgive yourself. But these practices will remind you in small ways that you are worthy. So don't think that you need to climb the whole mountain in one day, one foot in front of the other, and you will be able to connect to this truth. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I am, uh, I'm a fan of yours and I love your work. And, um, and I, um, I just want to remind our guests that, that you have an ebook on your website and it's the free ebook and your website is D-R-A-D-I-A-G-O-O-D-E-N.com. Dr. Adia Gooden.com. Yes. 
That's so, that's correct. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy. And yes, I'd love people to get the free ebook on four practices to overcome low self-worth and connect to me on social media, Dr. Adia Gooden. Um, Thank you again for having me. I hope to have you on for for further discussion. It's just a delight and I appreciate your delivery. This is just... um, lots of rich wisdom here that is from your experience which I think really is the key you know we can Mm -hmm. talk all we want but it's until we've really experienced it ourselves that that authenticity leads us and it's it's what people pick up on and I just want to say thank you for being authentic thank you for being who you were made to be it is just beautiful Mm. and I appreciate it so much Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. (laughs) Have a great, great day.